0: My name is Christian, and I'm Rob, and this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week, and in those 168 hours, we need Jesus
1: to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions
0: submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome to to Faith Faith 168.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time you're listening, we thank you for joining us today on the Faith 168 podcast. Uh, Today I'm joined with Brother Zach Davis once again as we continue our talk about raising godly children in uh, a culture like Babylon. And of course, we're referencing back to Daniel. Uh, We're not saying that America is Babylon. What we're saying is that... um, like Babylon and like many other uh, nations uh, throughout human history, um, our nation is becoming uh, more and more ungodly as each day uh, goes by. And so we want to see a generation of godly young men and women uh, come uh, come up and, and fight for Christ and to see uh, our nation once again uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and, and led by the Spirit, doing uh, the will of God and, and preaching the gospel to the nations. And so uh, that's what we're, we're focusing on today. We're focusing on the, the idea of raising godly children in an ungodly culture. And we believe uh, here at Faith 168, and we know that, that Zach believes the same, um, that we, uh, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being commissioned by God, uh, and being uh, full of Jesus Christ, we can go out and we can make a difference, that, that we can uh, turn the nations to Christ. And we believe that, that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to a victorious church, a church that is powerful, uh, a church that has, has seen many victories. And so that's what we want. We want to see uh, many victories come here in the United States of America. And if we're going to do that, we have to start with our children, we have to start with our families. Uh, Brother Zach, would you uh, mind introducing yourself to us once again?
2: Yeah, my name is Zach Davis. I pastor First Baptist Church in Marktree, Arkansas, and it is my pleasure to be with you today to talk about uh, raising godly kids in a nation that thinks it's too smart for the Lord.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, brother, we're going to start in Daniel chapter three. Would you mind to, to read that for us and we'll start there?
2: Yeah, so you want me to start in verse 16? Yes, sir. All right. This is uh, the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might remember that Nebuchadnezzar, um, he had a dream, but he he messed the dream up, and (laughs) he winds up building this statue. Even after Daniel interpreted the dream for him, he builds a statue and tells everyone to worship it. And I'll pick up in verse 16 of Daniel 3. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It's interesting to see that um, their mindset is that no matter what happens, either way, they're trusting the Lord. And when we think about all the work that needs to be done in our country and uh, how much effort and how much fight that uh, we have to put into it and, and what we're called to do, it it is still difficult to think, well, this may not be victorious. America could still come to an end. I talk to so many people who think that if America goes down, that it's the end of the world or the end of the kingdom of God. And that's not necessarily the case because the kingdom of God was around for seventeen hundred years before America was ever even thought of. That's right. Uh, so whenever we think about standing in uh, the face of whatever may come, we pray it's revival and repentance. But if it is, um, if it is adversity or persecution, then are we able to say, Lord, whatever it is, then mm-hmm. we're okay with it? And that's that can really only be found in one thing, Robin. That's that's when our contentment is with God, not with what he gives us or what our surroundings look like. And when we're satisfied with Christ and who he is and what he's done for us and knowing that remaining faithful to him is the only thing that matters. We're so concerned today with what other people think or offending anybody. When are we going to get back to caring about what God thinks? When is the audience of one since when is that not enough to say, you know what? If God thinks this about me, then it doesn't matter if someone else has a positive opinion of me, if I've been disfaithful to my Lord. Is, does the opinion of my Lord not matter uh, above everyone else? And I like what they say in, in verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods. If, if I could just take just a second, Rob, to talk a little bit about uh, the mindset that I think that they're in, and the mindset I think that that we need to be in. Absolutely. Maybe Christians today in America, they don't realize what's happening to us with the indoctrination from the ground floor up. Maybe so. And I would challenge anyone who's listening who thinks, well, you you guys are talking about something that's not even relevant. I I would challenge you to to read the scripture and examine the culture and and see if you think it lines up. But what essentially is, is happening here is They're being asked to compromise. They're being asked to essentially worship someone instead of the one true God. This is a common biblical pattern that happens all the way throughout the Scripture, and it's something that's very practical and and relevant in our lives. Whenever we start thinking about trusting in if it's ourself or trusting in the government or trusting in someone else um, and replacing God's design and replacing our trust where it should be found in God— I want to point something out to you, and I don't want to take this too far on this tangent, but I think it's at least a connection that needs to be made because you hear people today talk about the mark of the beast and worshiping um, whoever they perceive their future antichrist to be. I I obviously am somebody that takes a different view on all that because I don't think the mark of the beast is in our future, but let me just kind of show you maybe some thoughts I have on trusting in government or self or culture other than Christ. If we look back up at verse 1, it says that Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and his width was 6 cubits. See, this empire and this empires that that, these, that this um, image represents, they're Satan-backed. And essentially what the option is that these boys have, are we going to worship Satan or are we going to worship God? Because when we bow down and worship this, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon are run by Satan. This is a Satan-backed entity. And we face the same situation today. Are we going to trust the Lord or are we going to trust something else? And when we trust something else, then we're not being faithful to God. But these sixes wind up all over the Bible. And most famously, um, we know where we see the 666 in Revelation 13. Whatever anybody thinks about that, I'll just give you my thoughts on it. If you go back and read about Solomon, whenever Solomon went rogue, he took in too many women, he took in... um, You know, too much land, too much ground, and then he took in too much money. He was ruling like a pagan king. And once he started ruling like a pagan king, I think it's funny in the book of Kings, it tells us that Solomon was taking in 666 talents of gold yearly. It brings up the six imagery again. It's connecting him. It's saying that he's ruling like this beastly tyrant, um, not like God's king. So he's trusting in his power and his wealth and his fame and his ability other than trusting in in Yahweh, and that's really what everybody gets built into. If you go read the story of um, when David kills Goliath, go read all of the sixes that are in response to Goliath. Goliath and all of these six uh, hundreds and uh, all of the sixes that go with Goliath, because Goliath is this beast, this government, uh, this former entity that represents someone who is against Yahweh, and they were trust- the Israelites were trusting. Um, had more confidence in Goliath than they did in Yahweh until David comes and says, no, I come at you in the name of the Lord, uh, the God of Israel. And who is this uncircumcised dog that he's going to stand here and taunt my God? We see the same issue that happens to the Jews in the first century. The Jews in the first century, Jesus is on trial. They didn't trust him. They rejected him as the king and they cry out and say, and I believe this is the mark of the beast. We have no king but Caesar. They were trusting in Rome rather than trusting in Christ. And what's amazing, Robbie, is this. In Revelation 13, it says that they had the mark of the beast on their forehead and they had it on their hand. And I don't take that to be a literal mark. What I take that to mean is something that we find all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Absolutely. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're told to take the law of God and to teach it to our kids when we lie down and stand up and sit down and to bind it around their wrist and and as frontlets between their eyes. And they did not literally walk around with the law of God strapped to their wrists or to their forehead. But here was the picture. Because they were the covenant people of God, and because they loved the Lord, they were to have His law and His words on their mind, With mind is what you think with, and on their hand, the hand is what you work with. Right. So they were to be thinking and working for the Lord and everything that they did. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that. They knew exactly, no matter what their situation was. Now, we remember the law of the Lord. And even though we're in Babylon, we still meditate on it. And we won't compromise anything at all. And I think that's such a good picture for us today. Because even though I don't think that anything we're facing is um, like what they're facing, yet, maybe our kids might face it. But that's what we've got to instill in them. And, And if they don't have that biblical foundation, then... It's not going to matter. If they get in the middle of this battle and we've not trained them, then they're in trouble. You don't train somebody once the war starts. You train them pre-war. And unfortunately for us, the war's already started, and half the people don't know the war started yet.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and you took uh, the words right out of, out of my brain. Uh, I was going to bring up the, the Shema and how, um, how as Christians uh, we are to be like Christ. And what was Christ like? He was uh, full of the Holy Spirit. He was all about his father's business. Um, when he was asked questions, uh, he would always answer uh, with scripture. Uh, we see that in him dealing with Satan, right? When, when Satan uh, takes him out and, and uh, takes him to the temple or, or takes him out over the city and uh, tempts him, what's he do? He, Jesus responds with scripture. In the same way, uh, when, the, uh, when the Pharisees w- would ask him questions like, uh, what is the greatest commandment? He would answer with Scripture. Uh, love God with, with everything inside of you and, and love your neighbor as yourself. That, that goes back to Scripture. Uh, Jesus wore Scripture metaphorically or, or spiritually uh, in his, on his forehead by the way he thought, the, what he did, and also uh, on his hand. Um, today, and, um, and me and you have a, a little bit of a different eschatology, but uh, but we live, believe a lot of similar things. Uh, but I believe in a sense uh, or in a way um, that this mark uh, still exists. And I know you probably won't agree with me on that, but that's okay. Uh, but what I mean is, is that there are still people that pledge their allegiance um, to um, to lies to, they, um, are completely against God and, and are doing everything they can to oppose God and his people. And I completely agree with you, uh, that we, uh, aren't, <laughs> aren't seeing anything compared even to what, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, um, or our experience here in, in Daniel chapter three, but, um, uh, nor are we experiencing what the early church had to deal with, with uh, Caesar. Um, and uh, or nor are we experiencing, especially here in America, what our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan or in, um, uh, in China or many other places have to deal with. And so I completely, uh, completely agree with you. We have a long way to go, but the the war has already started. And remember, Back in Daniel chapter 1, as we talked about last week, this all started, um, the the whole thing, the book of Daniel started with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying that they were not going to defile themselves uh, the way that Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to defile themselves. They said that they were going to to be obedient um, in what they were allowed to be obedient in, that is, where it wasn't offending their own God, uh, but they were going to serve their God first and then the king. And so they did what was right in God's eyes. And that led to this victory here in Daniel chapter three. And we're going to read about uh, the ultimate victory as they walk through the fiery furnace untouched here in just a moment. But we have to understand that you're absolutely right. The the training comes before the war, Um I have a seven-year-old, and um, it, it amazes me what she knows just from um, from hearing uh, me preach, from he- from going to Sunday school, from hearing just conversations we have, from the readings we do in family worship. Um, I, I remember about six months ago, I asked her some questions, and it was easy questions. Um, you know, why did Jesus die? Um, why did he come to earth? You know? And she answered those. I mean, just, just as, as biblically as, as I could have. And so I went on and I, I continued to her questions for about 15 minutes because she just kept answering them biblically. And I, I was so impressed. Uh, but it's because she's been trained. Um, she still has a long way to go and my goodness, I have not been perfect. Uh, I, I try, uh, But nonetheless, we have to train her uh, if she's going to make it through um, alive, but we don't want her just to make it through alive, right? We want her to see victory, victory in the name of Jesus and victory for the case of Christ and for the kingdom of God. And we know that she can because she has um, the Holy Spirit inside of her and she will do great things for the kingdom of God if if she allows him to. And so... Um, but we need to train her so she is prepared. Why are, I think the number is somewhere like uh, 70% of our youth not going um, to church or or abandoning abandoning the faith when they go to college uh, because they haven't been properly trained. Uh, Brother Christian and I were talking about this just today, um, that so many Christians have not been truly trained to be Christians. Uh, in other words, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Well, we make converts, um, and, and I respect what Billy Graham did, uh, and uh, I'm a big Billy Graham fan. Uh, however, what we, we have to avoid is conversion without discipleship, uh, because conversion without dis- discipleship is going to leave Christians who are drinking milk for the rest of their lives and what's one thing that we know about babies? Um, are, are babies any good for doing the for doing work? Can they go out and make a living? Can babies um, even change their own diaper? No. Um, and so, if a if a Christian is going to do service for their king, then they have to be well trained. And uh, thank you, uh, brother Zach, for bringing all that up. All right, looking at at verse twenty five of Daniel chapter three, this is what the word of God says. It said, he, uh, he exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looked like a son of the gods. Uh, and so this, this is beautiful imagery right here. So first of all, we get to see three men walk in, uh, but four men are in the middle of the fire. And so what does that mean that means that, that God is right there in their midst. And w- one of the things that, that I love to think about, and um, maybe you can touch on this, Zach, on with, with your idea on this, but uh, who is um, the God in the flesh? Who, who is the one that would walk and talk with his people? Who was it that, that showed up and, and talked um, with Abraham? Who was it that fought with Jacob? And when we talk about God in the flesh. We 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 talk about Jesus. John one one says, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God." And then verse fourteen goes on to say, "And, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." We know that that Jesus is eternal. He's he's an eternal co equal member of the Trinity, and so we see here uh, Jesus before his incarnation or before he came uh, as a as a baby. Uh, and and lived his life and and did his ministry and and died in our place as a a propitiation for our sin. Uh, We see Jesus walking and talking in the middle of of the fire uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see him protecting them there. We see all around this furnace that it, that it's so hot that it's killing people on the outside of the furnace. Yet. God's people who are in the middle of the fire are not being burned. Now, what I want to be clear about is I'm not saying that that we can actually walk through fire and not be burnt. What I'm saying is that God is going to be with us. Jesus said that he would never leave us or forsake us, that he is with us. In fact, uh, that we are called temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are, are temples and Jesus lives inside of us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we have the ability to have the victory just as um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the victory. But notice what's happening. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did, or were they the ones proclaiming victory? No, it was Nebuchadnezzar who's looking in the furnace. And so what God will do, and it's amazing, and we see it all throughout um, the Old Testament is what, what God will do is he will provide in such a way that there's no question that he is the one in charge, that when revival comes, it's not because of one person did something miraculous. It's that God's people relied on God and God showed up. I think back to, um, I believe it was the early 1900s uh, in, in New York, there was a, a man and a uh, the, his name is, is leaving my mind, Zach, you might remember his name, but, um, in New York, he was, uh, he just started a prayer group and it started with just a few people. And, but every, um, uh, I think it was every Wednesday they would, they would come and they would pray or maybe every day at noon, they would come and pray. And then slowly, but surely this place started getting packed every day with people coming to pray and great revival started Uh all because people were praying. That's all they were doing. There, there wasn't anything spectacular about the people. All they were doing was praying, and, and God showed up. And so what we have to understand is that if we're faithful, God will bring the victory. Uh, he has the power to do it. Um, he has done it many times, and he'll do it again. Uh, we just have to be faithful. One of the, the biggest issues is that we live in a powerless um, or we operate in many times in in a powerless church not because the church doesn't have power but because we don't use the power that has been given to us uh through Jesus's victory on the cross uh we feel like we're out uh fighting uh satan who is an co-equal to god all powerful being the fact is this is that satan is is chained he uh he does not have any power we have all power all authority uh, because it was given to Jesus, and He sends us out in His power and His authority. And if we walk as as Daniel did, as we walk as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, uh, as we walk as as David did with Goliath, as as we walk faithfully, as the early church did, um, as Stephen uh, walked, even though he died, um, he gave um, he gave an opportunity for. For Saul, the one that was persecuting the church, to see Jesus work and then have an encounter with Jesus and then become the apostle to the Gentiles. And so if we're faithful like these men, God will show up and he will do things. He won't necessarily do them how we want them to be done. But if we train our children to walk in the power of God, trusting in Jesus and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see things done for the kingdom of god uh, that are unprecedented uh, especially in our day and i i want to see this and, and like you said a, a few mo- moments ago zach that that doesn't mean that america is going to make it um in order for us to see victory america might have to be defeated or at least america as we know it today uh, but what we can be assured of is that it doesn't matter if america is here or not Jesus will have victory over all that, that his uh, kingdom will come it already has come it is coming and it will come and he is going to be lord over all and every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that that he is god and so uh, we have a promise of victory um we just need to start walking in it and the the best thing we could do to start walking in that victory It is to understand the part that our children play and the part that we play in raising up godly children, even in a godless society, that if we want to see victory, that we need to start training our children. And once again, that can't be done with an hour or two hours on Sunday morning, an hour or two hours on Sunday night, and an hour on Wednesday night. This has to be an effort put in, in place by parents through family worship, through reading God's word, through studying together, through praying together, this has to be modeled by godly behavior by mom and dad, by by the family members, and and even uh, as as you are going to talk about in a few minutes, Zach, even making sure that that we're educating our children um, in the ways of God, in the principles of of God, and and uh, what do you have uh, to say about this uh, this verse? Uh, Zach?
2: No, I'd just like to echo a little bit on what you're saying. This this theme all the way in the Bible, when he says, look, I see four men in there. The, the picture for us, and again, just to echo you, the picture for us is that we're faithful. And on our own, we have zero power. That's right. But the, the picture of the Bible is that God fights for his people. If you That's remember right. whenever uh, Moses, they came out of the wilderness and, uh, excuse me, they came out of Egypt and, they're standing there, and the people are griping. They're wanting to go back, and essentially Moses just tells them, he "says Look, will y'all, shut up, please. Right. Just, just shut your mouth. Watch this day, and see the Lord, and He will fight for you." And He did. And I think that was at the Red Sea encounter. I'd have to double check it, but that's the picture of the scriptures that God keeps doing things that nobody else could do. Um, just take the early Church in Acts. That was them, faithful persecution, or we win. It doesn't matter. God fights for us. Either way, and his kingdom advances. Now, at the when we say that, that doesn't mean we always sit around and do nothing. I, right. I think there's a pandemic in our world, and the pandemic is that people who profess to be Christians don't know the Bible. That's right. And if and we got to know the Word of God, be able to use the Word of God, and uh, really affect the culture and and go to war against it. But um, I think there are some precautions that need to be made, and maybe. I can kind of segue this a little bit at this time, Robbie, if that's okay. Um, Some of the precautions that need to be made are that we don't just uh, throw our kids into the midst of everything in the worst possible situation all the time. If you think about uh, uh, people today, they'll take like two- and three-year-olds to this uh, swim training to where they can learn how to float and things like that. Well, that doesn't mean that you just take your kid there the first day and you just throw them in the pool. Uh, head first upside down with no training. There's training that way in case they do get in this situation, um, then uh, we should, that we'll should, we be able to, uh, that they'll be able to perform and uh, to respond and know how to give an answer. But so many people today um, are unchurched. So many younger couples who are having kids, uh, they're not in church. Therefore, their kids don't know uh, the Bible. They don't know the word of the Lord. Therefore, whenever they go to school, Uh, and they hear something such as evolution, well, they don't have a biblical foundation to be able to support that with, to be able to say, oh, I know that's wrong. You've got somebody who's over them, who's a teacher, uh, who's teaching them, that cares about them. Um, Why would we expect our third grader to think any differently about what goes on there? There are some precautions that need to be made, and I'll give you one of the precautions from our story in Daniel. So back in Daniel 1, Daniel would not defile himself with the king's delicacies. He was fine with the name change. He was fine with changing the reading. He was fine with, um, you know, a lot of the things that were going on. But Daniel drew a line when it caused him to compromise in his walk with God. And I think he drew the line at the food because he knew that as an Israelite, God had said these things were unclean. But the purpose for God making things unclean in the Old Testament wasn't just because God was mad at Israel and didn't like them. The reason that he kept uh, certain foods from them, such as uh, pork and the things that we know of that nature, the reason he did that was to keep them from eating that food whenever they would come in contact with these Gentiles who would offer that food and eat it as they worship their pagan gods. And Daniel knew that that was something. Hey, that's a that's a landmark. That's a precaution that God has set in place in order to keep us from uh, worshiping these pagan gods and worshiping in this culture like the Gentiles do. And he knew that and remembered that, and he wasn't willing to compromise on that. And I think setting some of those precautions um, is is good for us, and not just throwing our kids into the midst of every single thing when we have the ability and the opportunity to do otherwise Um, because we want God to fight for us. We want God to fight for our kids at the same time. If God's equipped us with certain things, if he's equipped us with certain means, then we need to take advantage and use them uh, for his kingdom and for his glory and be faithful and a good steward of what God's given us uh, with to do and our abilities and resources.
1: Absolutely. Without a doubt. In, In one way, um, that you guys are are doing that uh, in the uh, Jonesboro, Harrisburg, Mark Tree, Truman area. Um, this this part of Northeast Arkansas is, is through uh, a new um, a new school. Can you talk talk to that of, uh, just a minute?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for the opportunity to do so. Um, yeah, for sure. So when whenever I think about starting a school, our our thought is not just taking shots at public school. Um, we can, if we want to take the shots, we can take them. We just had a school shooting. There's plenty of shots to take, but what we're thinking is God has called us. He has saved us. He has given his children. He has equipped us and he has told us that we're responsible for the way that we bring them up. And what we're doing is uh, me and a group of guys, uh, we're starting a school on the South side of Jonesboro called new heritage classical Academy. And what our aim is to Uh, begin with four to six-year-olds, so junior K, kindergarten, and first grade. And we are going to um, just offer education from a biblical standpoint. We're going to teach everything that everyone else teaches with a huge emphasis in the younger ages on um, math and on reading and on writing. And what we're going to do is presuppose God in everything that we do. So two plus two can't equal four unless Jesus Christ is Lord. And we'll logically explain that and how nothing can hold up to anything unless we know the foundation and the starting point. Proverbs tells us that uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So we can't know anything unless we begin with God. And really what our aim to do is uh, with this school is to add a grade each year. And um, as we continue to grow and expand and the Lord blesses, then then we'll add a grade. It'll be a small operation right now. What we're looking at is our junior K, which is what most people would call a, a pre-K, but that's our four-year-olds. We'll have a class for them. And right now, our kindergarten and first grade will be together. Uh, we are hoping to launch somewhere between 15 and 20 students with those two classes to keep the numbers low and uh, really just uh, a small operation yeah. to get going, but something that we pray that God's going to bless for the future. And we're going to use a classical model, which the classical model teaches the trivium. Um, and that's uh, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. So when our kids are younger, it's going to be sure. hardcore in retaining information. And it is an academy. It, it will be rigorous uh, to, the, to the students. Our curriculum model will be from Memorial Press. And uh, it's, it's really probably a year to a year and a half advanced from what public schools are doing. So when our kindergartners are studying, it's going to be first to second grade level on some of the things like that. But what we'll do in the younger ages, we're going to teach them um, in the grammar phase, just all forms of information and let them soak it in. Then as they progress, we want to teach them to, to begin to organize these thoughts and, you know, this information and how to how to process it. And we'll move into the logic phase in, in the middle school days. And then eventually What we need to be able to teach our kids to do, uh, especially those who know the Lord, they need to be able to express themselves because they're going to have to express themselves to this culture. um, And that's where our our rhetoric phase comes in. So grammar, logic and rhetoric, that's the trivium and a, a huge emphasis on speaking, on oral communication, on writing, the ability to express themselves in that way so that we can have all of this knowledge. We don't want to shield them from anything. All of the classics, all of the uh, famous literature, it will be read. We want our kids to read Aristotle. We want them to read uh, Plato. We want them to read Socrates. We want them to know the history of Alexander. But we want them to see where Alexander and Plato and Socrates got it right. But biblically, we want them to see where they got it wrong and where they missed it. It's not an effort to shield anything, but it is an effort um, to be proactive and for us, this is about discipleship and the Great Commission. And we think that the classical touch is is a good uh, add-on for us. And I pray, and as we're faithful, that God will use it. We have no idea how this is going to go. All I know is that what I've seen God do so far, uh, I don't have any doubt or lack of confidence that He'll continue to bless us and uh, provide a way. He's been fighting for us, as we were talking about in this. And I, I pray that He's going to bless it, as He has so far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's awesome, brother. We are, are so uh, so thankful that you guys are, are taking the step uh, because that's what that's what has to happen. Is, is brothers and sisters uh, all over the United States, all over the world, have to um, decide to to take steps uh, to be active. Like you said just a few moments ago, we can't just sit back uh, and and wait for God to do something. We have to be faithfully active. And trust that He's going to do something, um, and yeah. then, so you guys are are, are doing an, an amazing thing. And I'm so excited to uh, to continue to watch um, and see what God does uh, through uh, New Heritage, and and I'm excited to to see um, the the lives that it impacts. I am uh, I don't know if you know this I'm a monthly uh, donor. Of five dollars a month, I know. Don't don't give me too much props. I, I'm I'm pretty humble, uh, but right now that's all I can do. Uh, but I know one one way people can support you is going to to Tithely and um, giving a monthly donation. That's what I do. And like I said, it's just five dollars a month is is all I can do right now with my budget. Uh, but but man, it, think if if every one of our listeners could give you guys uh, five dollars, um, yeah. You know that would make a difference, and uh, and so that that's one way, and and we'll get you some links to uh, to how you can support uh, brother Zach and as well as all the um, the godly men and women that are are, are getting this yeah. started. And yeah, absolutely
2: for three, just three ways. If you're listening, you want to be involved in our ministry and what we're trying to get going. Just number one, we would ask, just pray for us.
1: Absolutely. Uh, when
2: when you pray every day, just ask God, hey, will you bless these guys and these kids who are coming through? Uh, and and use them for your kingdom Uh, number two if you're in northeast arkansas and uh, maybe you're a grandparent let your uh, let your son and daughter know who have those younger kids and uh, be thinking for the future you know if they're you know we got one-year-olds we've had so much interest from those who have babies right now uh, just be thinking about uh, sending in the future because this thing's going to grow yeah the more the word gets out and um, you know if if you're interested in teaching um, give me give me a shout out look me up on facebook or um, email at admin at new and, and just say, Hey, we'd be interested in teaching at this school one day because th- as it grows, there'll be more classes and expansion yeah. or, you know, send your kids, um, let, let them, let us know. We'll work with you. We want to do our best financially to help those who want their kids in Christian education. Uh, we want to do our best to, to see you come and be a part of it. And then number three, if you're listening and you can give, like Robbie said, you can go to Tithely or go to the Donate tab at newheritageclassical.com. And anything you can do would be a blessing uh, to us as, as we're getting going off the ground. There, Every day it seems like there's another need that uh, something comes up that requires financial assistance. And uh, when anything you guys could do to, to be a part of that and help would be wonderful and uh, much appreciated. Rob, thanks for that plug.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and I'll kind of... To make one more transition, then I'll let Brother Christian close us out um, with final thoughts and a word of prayer. But um, so God has has recently placed it uh, on, on my heart and has kind of led my family um, to to make a little bit of a change. So I'm uh, the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Harrisburg, Arkansas, and it has been an, an honor to serve along the faithful uh, faithful there, and um, we love it. And it's been one of the hardest decisions that we've ever had to make and probably ever will make. Um, uh, but, but we feel strongly um, that, that God is leading me to teach. And so we're going to move back to Kentucky, and I'm going to teach high school uh, history. And um, one of the reasons that I'm going to, to do this, um, one of the things that has been on my heart and been a matter of prayer for me for a long time, is that... Um, there are a lot of godly men in ministry, uh, but there are not many godly men in our school systems. One of the reason our, our school systems are as bad off as they are right now, uh, is because they are, uh, our school systems are, are predominantly, um, anti-Christ. Uh, and so, uh, not only are they not teaching about Jesus, uh, but they're teaching things opposite uh, of God's word. And I know that I'm not going to be able to go into the classroom and teach God's word. I completely understand that. Uh, What I'm doing is I'm I'm praying for God to show up and to do things um, in a way that he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego. Uh, One of my my favorite Bible stories is about uh, King Jehoshaphat um, in uh, the Old Testament. And and we see King Jehoshaphat is, is... Going to be attacked by an army, and uh, he is—he's scared. He thinks that he's going to lose. Um, they're outnumbered, outmanned. Uh, God says to Jehoshaphat, He says, "Go out and um, send your uh, your worship team or uh, the the band, the 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 musical guys, the praise leaders out in front of the army." And so the 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 guys on the front line were playing instruments. And they go out and they go to fight and they don't have to they don't lose a single soldier because God fights their battle. Uh, and so what I'm trusting is that I'm going to go and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to to do everything I can to, to love these students, to uh, to teach these students, uh, not only teach them uh, the truth uh, about what has happened in history, because uh, one of the subjects I'm going to teach is uh, is World Civ. And so I'm going to teach them about what has happened. But more than that, my goal and, and what I believe that God has placed on my heart to do is to help these students learn how to think, not just what to think, but how to think. Um, and then I'm going to just trust that God is going to do the rest. And I believe that he's going to do some amazing things. And I believe that the Christians have to, to step up and, and take leaps of faith like this, not saying that you should... Um, teach school, but we have to start making um, decisions uh, to step out on faith and trust God, even when things seem impossible. Um, I could go into this and I could be fired in a year uh, because some parents don't like my teaching style or they don't like that I won't uh, adhere to a a certain ideology or or a a certain way of thinking. Uh, and I know that's a big risk and, and I'm willing to take it because I know that, that my future is not in the hands of a few angry parents. Uh, my future is in the hands of Almighty God. And, and so I've got to trust him and to follow him where I believe he's leading me uh, and then let him do the rest. And so as a uh, as a church, we have to be full of people, like Zach said, that, that know God's word, that believe God's word, not just, you can't just know it. You have to believe it. And then you have to let that lead you to action to be able to defend your faith, to be able to, to distinguish truth from a lie. One of the biggest problems with, with our children today is they're not being taught discernment. And so anything anybody teaches on their believing, uh, and this is of course leading them leading many astray uh, and leading many into to mental illness, into, um, to confusion, to chaos, suicide rates are through the roof, um, and it doesn't look like they're going to slow down. And all this is because we don't know uh, what the truth is anymore. We don't know why we're here. Uh, we don't know what our purpose is in life. And without Jesus, without that fear of God that Zach was talking about, um, there is no way, uh, there, there's, there's no hope for our society. However, if we let God work in a way that only he can by being faithful to him and and, and taking leaps of faith like starting schools or taking le- leaps of faith like uh, switching occupations or taking leaps of faith and, and letting your kid go to a Christian school uh, that's just starting up rather than a public school that is going to lead them in a the wrong, wrong way. Wherever God is leading your family, if you're faithful to him, and you stand up for truth, it doesn't matter if it works out for you or it doesn't. God will use that uh, to bring glory to himself, and and it'll all be ultimately for, for your good and the good of all the faithful around you. Brother Zach, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. Uh, Brother Christian, I'm going to uh, ask Zach to to just give us a closing statement. Then I'll ask you to to close us out in a word of prayer and your final thoughts. Uh, Zach, what's your last thought? Last last impression?
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Appreciate you guys doing this uh, interview and two parts and uh, just my pleasure to come on and talk with you guys. And I pray that if anybody's listening, just uh, you know, just consider uh, your worldview. Yes, consider that um, it, it's biblically grounded not just because you wake up and go to church on sunday but uh, because you've presupposed that jesus is lord and that that affects every area of your life and when we say he's king that it means something to us and uh, i want you guys to think about that and uh, robbie pray you guys the best with the podcast and uh man grateful for what you're doing and going to teach school and i pray god blesses you and your family in that
1: thank you brother i sure appreciate it thank you again for coming on it's been great uh to hear your perspective great to Uh, to to hear what what God is doing through your life. Uh, Brother Christian, will you close us out?
0: Yeah, of course, Rob. And again, I just want to thank you, Zach. I don't really have anything to add. I think both of you talking back and forth that y'all hit the nail on the head perfectly. Uh, I don't think that there was even really a third person needed for this podcast. I think that both of you uh, brought up uh, the scripture well brought up the needs for the church and the step forward that we need to to take during these tough and trying times so again thank you Zach for for joining us Uh, as always Rob I'm so grateful to have a co-host like you to be able to do this podcast with and I'm so thankful for all of our listeners so tonight let's go ahead and end this by meeting God in prayer if you will let's just pray together tonight Or this morning or this afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this, let's pray. Father, I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. I thank you for my brother, Rob. I thank you for my brother, Zach. I thank you for the listeners that are uh, tuning into this and seeking out your will in their life 168 hours a week. Father, continue to bless the ministry that you have entrusted to Zach Uh, Continue to bless the ministries that we're all a part of. And Father, just help us to seek your will in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations. And we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those
1: times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith. 168 podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for
0: joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.